Welcome to Throne of Chaos. We are your hosts, Kelsey and Autumn, and we are back on our regularly scheduled content on Throne of Glass. We took a short little break for the month of June, but we are back and it's basically Christmas in July as our characters celebrate Yulemas in chapters 36 and 37 today. And as a disclaimer, we do not represent Sarah J. Mass or Bloomsbury Publishing. All thoughts and opinions in this episode are our own. So if you think back to our last episode on Throne of Glass, we've had two bonus episodes on our host Abri read. If you haven't heard those, go check those out. They're pretty lengthy. They were some long ones, but <laughs> but they were good though. They were good. There was all of our thoughts there. I would just like to say that my grandfather was in the car with my mom when that first HOSAP episode went out and he listened to the whole thing and I visited them the next day and he had so many he was like I just got I got to know about the white stone and there's monsters (laughs) so Papa if you're listening again hey yeah hi welcome but to recap our last throne of glass episode Selena was walking the courtyard with Dorian and he questioned her about her necklace and we learned that it is called the eye of Elena Selena got her period back and Kel reacts exactly how we thought he would and ran away from her basically. And we do see that he was greatly affected by the killing of the rebels and is starting to come around to maybe his king isn't so great in the way things are done in Otterland. And Dorian thinks that Kel's reaction is absolutely hilarious and he comes to keep Selena company while she's in utter agony. And we also see how he was affected by the news as well. And we see how he hates how his father runs the kingdom and all the awful things he has done. And he doesn't want to be that same kind of ruler. Later, Selena finds word marks that are drawn under her bed. And after scrubbing them away, she heads to the library where she finds Nehemia reading from a book that she shouldn't be able to read given her knowledge. And then she speaks with a perfect accent in the common tongue. As she leaves, a piece of paper falls and Selena is shocked to see a word mark on it. And she questions everything about Nehemia's motives. So chapter 36 opens with Selena had not seen Nehemia in days and hadn't told Kel nor Dorian about what happened in the library. She didn't want to confront Nehemia without concrete proof. Selena spent her spare time studying word marks and training with Kel and the other champions. Another test had passed and there were only five champions left. The final test was in three days with the duel two days after that. Selena awakens on Yule Miss morning to find a bag of candy on her bed. It was filled with all her favorites, and she chewed through the assortment until her jaw hurt. Philippa enters, scolding Selena for the mess on the bed, and exclaims that her face is covered in chocolate and her teeth are stained red. Philippa tells her it's only 7 a.m., and she will make herself sick if she keeps eating the candy. During this part, we didn't mention it, but when Selena gets sent the candy, she thinks it's certainly not the frost fairies who delivered presents to good children, she says. They stopped coming to her when she had first drawn blood from another human. I guess these little fairies are real, at least they were in Terrison when she was little, or I doubt they come to many people in Otterland. It's just sad that this is just another way her innocence was taken from her. Like, she's no longer visited by the Santa of this universe because she's no longer considered an innocent, good child, and that's just... That's sad. Well, I just want to know more about these frost fairies, but mm-hmm. also were the frost fairies really just her present, her parents, her parents. dropping off? <laughs> like if little yeah. ears are around, you know what we're talking about without saying it when it comes to Christmas. Right. But also, yes, my heart just breaks for Selena and everything 
she's gone through at such a young age. Yeah. Because you got to think she's only a 17-year-old girl. Yeah. I mean, her first kill was at 10, so who knows when she first drew blood. That's really young. Her parents were killed when she was eight. Right. So who knows how long Arabin groomed her before he was like, hey, go fight this person with a knife. Probably wasn't very long. So a while later, Selena is dressed in a solemn-looking green dress, which Philippa deemed as her only appropriate dress for temple attendance. Selena's teeth were still red, and she felt queasy when she looked at the bag of candy. However, she forgot about that when she saw Dorian sitting at the table in her room, wearing a beautiful gold and white jacket. Are you my present, or is there something in the basket at your feet, she asked. If you'd like to unwrap me, we have an hour until the temple service. Dorian replies I too would be distracted by Dorian yeah (laughs) just sitting there but also I will never get over the supremacy of their banter yeah because when she banters with Kale it is boring Kale literally gives her nothing yes like she's like talking to herself basically it's Dorian Selena later on Aelin but more she's Selena in this for sure yes them two are Bryson Hunt after reading Hosab again, their banter, it's Dorian yes. and Selena. There's so much correlation That explains there. why I love them so much. Yeah. They <laughs> are. Yes. A lot of people talk down about Hunt and Bryce. I was obsessed with them. I still am. But like the first reading of- them, I was so <laughs> obsessed with them from the beginning. I definitely love Rowan and Aylin's banter as well. But Dorian and Selena are like just a special kind of banter. Selena laughs and tells Dorian, happy you'll miss. When Dorian notices her red teeth, Selena clamps her hands over her mouth. He pinches her nose until Selena is forced to open her mouth. Been eating candy, he asks. Selena asks if he was the one that sent the candy, and he replies, of course. Then he picks up the bag, asking, didn't I give you three pounds of candy? Selena just smiles. You ate half the bag. Was I supposed to save it, she asked. I would have liked some, he told her. You never told me that because I didn't expect you to consume all of it before breakfast. (laughs) Dorian, I don't know what you expected a woman who just spent a year in prison to do with a bag of candy. Also, she's still on her period. So like candy that she hasn't had access to in Lord knows how long, at least a year. Plus, on her period, craving candy. Like, <laughs> it's a shocker she didn't eat the whole three pounds, really. I forgot she was still on her period. That, see, even more in her defense, she needed that candy. <laughs> she she needed the candy, Dorian. <laughs> the candy was important. Selena notices a slender golden snout protruding from the basket. What is that? She asks. A Yule Miss present for you. Selena flipped the lid of the basket to reveal the strange gold-haired pup quivering in the corner with a red bow around her neck. Oh, puppy, she crooned, then glared at Dorian over her shoulder, hissing. What did you do, you buffoon? Dorian threw his hands in the air. It's a gift. I almost lost my arm and more important parts, trying to tie the bow on, and she howled all the way up here. Dorian felt what every parent who's had a child who asked for a puppy for Christmas has felt trying to sneak that dog in without the children finding it. He like the parent who has the least amount of responsibility in the relationship is like, oh, I got him a puppy. And then the mom's like, what do you mean? You mean got him a puppy? <laughs> He's like, I got you a puppy. And she's like, I'm a prisoner. <laughs> Thank you. I love the puppy. But what am I supposed to do with it? I mean, if somebody wants to give me a puppy, 
Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. I'll just we'll That's deal with it. So on brand for Dorian. But though. yes, it so is. And you know, in a couple of books, he gets someone who has a very big puppy. So, you know, mm-hmm. puppies. Dorian tells her that the puppy is hers if she wants it. And Selena asks what will happen to her if she is sent back to Endovir. And Dorian replies that he would worry about that. Selena tells Dorian that if she is keeping the puppy, she wants her trained. While she is training for the championship, she wants her in the kennel training as well. But in the evenings, the puppy will be returned to her rooms with her. She thanks Dorian, telling him it's a lovely gift, and she thinks of how kind he is. Unnaturally so for someone of his upbringing. He had a heart and a conscience, and he was different from the other. And she kisses him on the cheek in this part, and then he just, like, starts babbling. I know. He's so cute. I love him. And I also like in this scene when she's listing all the things she wants the puppy to be trained on, aka Fleetfoot, just unnamed currently. He's like, wow, you have a lot of demands. And she's like, well... I want her to be a good dog. That's what we're going with here. Dorian tells Selena he will see her later tonight after the ball. Selena thinks about how if Nehemia is truly the one behind the champion's murders and had the feral beast at her command and had just learned about the massacre for people, then what better way would it be to punish Arderlin than at the ball? Selena thinks that she cannot warn Kel because if she was wrong, it would ruin her friendship with Nehemia and her efforts at diplomacy. But she knew she couldn't do nothing. Selena knows that she shouldn't be thinking this about Nahenia, but she had seen friends do terrible things before, and it became safer for her to believe the worst. She'd witnessed firsthand how far a need for revenge could drive someone. She knows Kel would be beyond furious if she infiltrated the ball, but she could handle it, even if Kel decided to throw her in the dungeons. So the first time I read the book, to me, it was obvious that it was Kane. I don't know why but it was just like from the get-go I was like this guy this guy is the guy behind it we do not trust him <laughs> and so the part of the plot where she thinks like Nehemia is the one doing it was just mm-hmm. hilarious to me mm-hmm. and I really just think that she was grasping at any reason to sneak into the ball after seeing the other champions at the Sam Hewen ball. Selena has major FOMO for any type of which, celebration, anything she has Which is fair. For. Yeah. Which is fair. She just, everyone else was there except for Kane. And I she was, couldn't go. I was suspicious of several people. I didn't think it was Nahenia, but I was just ready to find out what her deal was. Because it's pretty obvious she was hiding something. The yes. last chapter proved it. So I I didn't know what. I felt like she had Selena's best interest at heart. But I was like, what is going on? Do you want to know? But also, this was a subtle Assassin Blade reference when saying, like, she'd seen friends who did terrible things to her, Mm -hmm. aka Ansel. And she'd also seen how far someone's need for revenge would go, which is, again, her everything she did after Sam's death. Yeah, she's very jaded when it comes to friends, and rightfully so, after her trauma of her life. So she wants friendship and she wants that, but she, in the back of her mind, she always knows like they could betray me at any minute. Yes, which I definitely think shows her growth when we get to like Queen of Shadows and her and Lysandra become friends and then her and Alid become friends. It's showing her growing past being someone to like put someone at arm's length. But also on the point of Nehemia, I, I figured she was more than she seemed like she was had a hidden purpose for being there. Mm-hmm. I just didn't ever buy her being the one behind the murders. Right. 
So later, Selena and Kel are walking to the temple. Kel says he's surprised she's complaining about not going to the ball. Selena thinks that he can't possibly know what she's planning. Philippa had promised to keep it a secret. She knows Kel won't be pleased when he finds her at the ball, but she hopes he won't punish her too severely. Okay, I'm sorry, but Captain Kel Westfall does not seem like stern overlord. Like, I'm not scared of you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> no fear. And she never is. Why is everybody like, oh, Kel's gonna punish you and Kel's gonna throw you in the dungeons? He does actually follow up on the dungeon thing. So at least well, that's we why she always that. doesn't anyway, because she's not. She's yeah, not she's scared like, of you. She's like, mm, I'll deal with it. It'll yeah, just like, be unpleasant. I have to listen to you. I mean, he's already me. unpleasant. So, yeah. I mean, what difference does it make? Yeah. So that's chapter 36 and moving right into chapter 37. The temple was a beautiful space built entirely from glass. The limestone covering the floor was all that remained of the original stone temple. Selena didn't notice any of the other champions at the temple service. She is surprised that they let her come to this, but not the ball. And I wonder when everything was converted from the stone castle, like when that was destroyed, over to glass. Like, was that before the king was possessed by Valg? Was I it after? Like, like, what was the purpose of all of this? I don't get it. I feel like he probably didn't build like the glass castle until after he'd been possessed because at that point they knew they had a word key and so I feel like the word key was involved with the actual building of the glass Mm -hmm. part of the castle yeah because it just looks like an architectural feat and like what's the point of it like like I don't understand I don't yeah I (laughs) I don't get the glass castle at all I guess the I guess it was supposed to be, like, this symbolic moment of when, like, in Queen of Shadows, mm-hmm. they destroy it. And so, like, yeah. that's the end of the king's rule. Because right. It's- well, we've we've talked about it before, of like, the metaphor of, like, the old and the standing and the stone versus new and glass and fleeting. Like, I get that metaphor of it, but was it just meant as a metaphor or was there, like, a real purpose that we just don't know? I feel like Sarah's just never told us and she's never going to tell us and we just gotta we'll use it as our metaphor I guess yeah Yeah, that's all I got (laughs) the high priestesses walked onto the stone platform and raised her hands over her head the folds of her midnight blue gossamer robe fell around her and her white hair was long and unbound an eight-pointed star was tattooed upon her brow in a shade of blue that matched her gown its sharp lines extended to her hairline the fact that she has an eight-pointed star tattooed on her forehead makes me want to scream. And it never talks about it again throughout this never. universe, really. Like, the eight-pointed star doesn't mean much in Tog other than the priestesses wear it. It's blue tattoo the same as her gowns. We didn't get until House of Earth and Blood did we pretty much get the eight-pointed star again. We mm-hmm. know it represents the starborn. Bryce has the tattoo on her chest. Of mm-hmm. the eight-pointed star. Then in Akatar, the heart sat upon a rendering of an eight-pointed star. Mm-hmm. Nesta and Cassian, when they have their bargain, it's the eight-pointed star down their backs. So that's all of those. Eight-pointed stars, it means something now that it's in each universe. My thought is, I don't know why she just put this moment in here and then like let it go completely. Because we... We know she, when she wrote these initially, it was not with the grand idea that we have now. Right. And Especially we know she, at least this first book, for sure. Yeah. She left crumbs there for things for her to build up 
on go back for the full from yeah yes in the future especially like when we get to crown of midnight and it's the scene with baba yellow legs and she's like talking about the multiverse like she left herself crumbs for things like this when she was writing future books but i feel like the eight-pointed star like symbol itself wasn't something that she truly picked until she decided she was going to fully go for the crossover and Mm -hmm. she realized i have an eight-pointed star here with a priestess I can take that and drop it in the other worlds easily. To tie it all. And tie it all together. Mm -hmm. And with priestesses too, which every universe has priestesses, they're like a tie from the fae, the beings or whatever, to the gods in each universe. They worship the gods. They're like the link between the people and the gods. And I just wanted to draw attention to the different priestesses throughout the universe. We see that you know, this priestess here, she's got midnight blue gossamer robe, you know, white hair, unbound. She has this tattoo on her forehead of eight-pointed starts in the same shade of blue as her gowns. In Akatar, priestesses wear a silver and blue with a stone inside of it, blue inst- invoking stone on their brow, and they have pale blue-gray robes. So kind of the same blue robes. They still wear something on their brow. It's blue kind of the same color as the tattoo of the priestess's brow in this. And then Mm -hmm. in CC, we don't get much of the priestesses. I think each, I mean, we know that Kathona has priestesses. We see the ones at Luna's temple and we know that they wear a moon in the different phases, depending on where they're at in their journey on Mm -hmm. a delicate chain. Again, it's across their brow. It's not blue or anything. And we only see the one young priestess. I think she was like Mm -hmm. 10 or 12. And she wears white robes. So I don't know if they all wear something different since she was like in the process of becoming an acolyte, if that was different. But I just wanted to draw attention to each of those priestesses in the three different universes. Mm -hmm. Selena stifled a yawn. She respected the gods, if they existed. But religious ceremonies were brutal. She thinks about how it had been years since she attended anything of this sort. Today is the day on which we celebrate the end and the beginning of the great cycle. Today is the day on which the great goddess gave birth to her firstborn, Lumis, the Lord of Gods. With his birth, love was brought into Aurelia and it banished chaos that arose from the gates of word. There's a lot, a lot there in that sentence. (laughs) So much in that one sentence. Yes. Or collection of sentences, I guess. Her speech, her little. Yes, her little thing. So I find it funny that Selena thinks about if these gods existed, but then like, later she actually finds out that they do and she meets them mm-hmm. and they've little, been like, guiding her her whole life yeah mm-hmm. and she technically descended from one though yes. there's a there's a debate i won't get it too strong that if these gods and goddesses mala diana all of those are different type of beings even though they're called gods and goddesses mm-hmm. then like the mother is or these bigger higher spiritual beings so I won't get into too much detail that because I don't really know it all myself but people think there's a distinction between the two so we know that the bone carver the weaver and Koshi Koshe however the heck you say his name right. I'm gonna say Koshi for my own sanity's sake are all death gods right how does those death gods on Akatar compare to these gods that are on Aurelia like, we know that 
Lorcan and Elite have these gods and goddesses that are like their patriot. What word am I looking for? Patrons. Patrons. Mm-hmm. Yes. Lorcan has Hellas, mm-hmm. the god of brutal deaths, as his patron. And then Elite has Annalie. I forgot um, her name. I forgot her name too, but it is with an A. It's it's an A. Mm-hmm. And she's the of wisdom. Mm-hmm. It just brings into question, is it just because this higher being is from another planet and so or another world and so we don't have that in this world so they could be a god they you start to worship them as a god and goddess or are they truly the maker of your world so it i mean it just calls that into question of what truly is a god or goddess mm-hmm. it's kind of philosophical almost yes. a little bit but yeah something that made me want to scream was that with the birth of Loomis love was brought into Aurelia and it banished chaos so love banished chaos my brain immediately went to through love all is possible I feel like that saying isn't gonna be just a saying like it's right it's actually going to be something in future sorry spiraling a little bit to ho fast because yeah. this like love and chaos and Mm-hmm. through love all is possible like I feel like we're actually gonna see that as something physical mm-hmm. not like a just a saying but there's a tie also to the princes of hell their birth from void and chaos mm-hmm. whatever that means who knows and just when you're describing these beings they're not supposed to be able to feel love and feel emotions and stuff and then we find out one of the princes of hell fell in love with this fae warrior. Mm-hmm. And it's like through love, those two types of beings came together. We see the bone carver in Akatar. He's this death god. And, you know, him and Koshi and Striga, all they want is power and are hungry. They don't love anything. But we talk about this again, a fae warrior who would, I forgot his wording. He said something about Would have been his... Would have been salvation. Yes, would have been a salvation. So it's like this. And that her line still exists. Yes. In a human bloodline. The notion of love conquering and fixing all this and figuring it out. It's it's going to play a huge part for sure. And then when it talks about the gates of word, I just want to know if the gates of word is the same thing as a word gate and just said differently. Mm-hmm. Or if this gate of word was like actually a physical location, because we know that the gates can be like physical and non-physical. You can make one or there can be one that's just there. And if so, what happened to this gate? If this was like the original gate where everything came through. Like was it where at is a it now? point on the, on the world? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, because and we then, know in... CC world, mm-hmm. you've got all those gates in the city and Bryce was able to open that gate to hell, but you also have the Northern Rift mm-hmm. up in the North that they're able to get through too. So that's not technically like a gate. So yeah, is it like- And then you can make the little, you can summon. Yeah, you can just summon weapons. people in the salt. So yeah, 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 yeah. There's just like a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And then just as a note, Luma means light in Latin. All these, all these relations to light. Because then also mm-hmm. I was thinking about how Helena, which is one of Thea's daughters, means shining light in Greek. And then just to add to the spiral, 
Helion is a play on the word Helios, and mm-hmm. that is one of the sun gods of Greek mythology. And he is literally supposed to be the representation of the sun. Yeah, of day. And yeah. then if anybody listens to a happy hermit, she reminded us all of second grade science <laughs> on the fact that the sun is a giant star. As soon as she said it, I was like, I need to sit down Duh. because are I've you known- smarter than a fifth grader? No. No. <laughs> but Sarah J. Mass is. She sure is. Because the rest of us are like, oh, stars, it can't be the day court. Da, 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 da. It's night court, night court, night. Yeah. The night sun is the whatever. biggest star in our solar system. Yes. We all surround the big behind star, the yeah. sun. Goodness. Through this, though, like, especially reading Tog the first time I straight up did not care about these religion ceremonies i didn't really care about the gods much other than that they played a part later on with the whole you know wanting to go back to Mm -hmm. whatever realm that they came from but after the chaos that was cc like it all means something like the 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 fact that we're in this ceremony right now and this priestess is talking and is giving us some dialogue it all means something and i'm just just wondering Who's going to play a part? What gods, what goddesses are going to come back to play in the whole massiverse? Yeah. What answers are we going to get in the future? I mean, with this Twilight of the Gods thing coming, I think that's going to be huge for answering these type of questions of the gods of each universe and how that all plays together. So fingers crossed we get We're just all going to spiral. It would answer so many questions, to be honest. As the priestess talks, Selena feels a weight press on her eyelids. She had woken up so early and slept so little after that encounter with Nehemia. Unable to stop, Selena wandered into the land of sleep. She awoke with a jolt as Kale hissed, get up now. <laughs> That's like Gollum saying that, get up now. <laughs> You're not allowed to edit that out. Okay, it'll stay in. <laughs> The high priestess had finished her sermon and the songs of Yulmus were over. She asked him how long she was asleep. Noticing a hint of red in his cheeks, she asked, you were asleep too? And he replies, until you began drooling on my shoulder. An organ sounded and everyone leaned to stare down the aisle for the procession of the gods. I can't really blame her for falling asleep in that moment because sometimes... When you're at church and it's like cold and like the lights are off and the pastors just go in and then they start singing like, if you haven't had any sleep, it, it, hits, it, will, yeah. it will get you. Because <laughs> um, Kale is like the mad mom who caught her child sleeping, even mm-hmm. though he was asleep as well. So he should not be mad because right. he did it too. But I have accidentally been the one to fall asleep once in my life because I sit up till 4 a.m. reading a book but I will never forget the look of anger my mother had and sitting through the rest of service just knowing that she was going to get on to me so and I was going to be in trouble when church got out no more books for a while she did take my books (laughs) for reference that was my punishment as a child my mother did not take cell phone tv or anything like that she took my books Mm -hmm. and it was painful truly the most painful thing you could do that was definitely one of those do as I say and not as I do parents for sure that's kill mm-hmm. 1000% the sound of pattering footsteps filled the temple and the congregation stood 
Each blindfolded child was no more than 10 years old, and though they looked rather foolish dressed in the costumes of the gods, there was something charming about it. Every year, nine children were chosen. If a child stopped before you, you received the blessing of the god and the small gift the child carried as a symbol of the god's favor. Farner, god of war, stopped at the front row near Dorian, but then moved right across the aisle to give the miniature silver sword to Duke Parrington. So I find it interesting that the child representing Farner mm-hmm. originally stopped in front of Dorian and then moved in front of Parrington. I feel like this child stopping in front of Parrington was them like being able to feel or recognize that Parrington is Erewhon and the Balg are basically war-seeking beings. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's trying for war in this whole Yes. His whole purpose is to go to war. Yes. Yeah. Because the children are blindfolded, so they don't know who they're giving it to. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, you point around the room and you stop. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. Deanna, the goddess of the hunt and maidens, approached. To her dread and dismay, the girl stopped before her and removed the blindfold. She was a pretty little thing. Her blonde hair hung in loose curls and her brown eyes were flecked with green. The girl smiled at Selena and reached to touch the assassin's forehead. May Deanna, the huntress and protector of the young, bless and keep you this year. I bestow upon you the golden arrow as a symbol of her power and good grace. The girl bowed as she extended the slender arrow. It couldn't be used, of course, but it was made of solid gold. I just realized she touched her on the forehead and her nameless mm-hmm. mark is on the forehead. Just got that just now on like the hundredth read. I I missed thinking connecting it to her nameless mark. Mm-hmm. I did this time recognize that she got touched on the mm-hmm. forehead when I was doing the notes. Mm-hmm. Was so Maeve mm-hmm. came in and made herself a sibling of Mab and Mora. Mora. Mab becomes Deanna. Kind of. Well, this is what I was confused about too. So from the the wiki, if you look at the talk wiki, Mab was a fake queen and she ruled Dornell Windland. She had a sister, Mora, mm-hmm. and somehow been turned and it's now widely believed by humans and Fae to have been reborn as the goddess Deanna after she died. But Selena Aelin refutes this later when she mentions mm-hmm. in her point of view that mm-hmm. Mab was very much mortal and when she tied her life to the Ash River Prince. So I think it just got misconstrued got over twisted. time. But Deanna and Mab are separate in real life. Yes. Like they just think that she was reincarnated as Deanna. But we know Deanna shows up later on and she's still a goddess. So really the only goddess that became mortal was Mala. Yes. And that's what I was trying to get at. The question is, how old was Mab and Mora? Mm -hmm. And were they there at the original war 1,500 years ago? Because Mab is only, is her like great-grandmother. So that's only two things removed. So I'm just trying to figure out if Mab, Mab, Maeve, and Mala were all involved I think I think by the time the war came along it was just Maeve at that point so when Maeve came over she pretended to be a sister Mm -hmm. I think they were dead and gone by that point because I think it was just Maeve that ruled in Dornell at that point true so that's what I I think 
that was before the war. I mean, I would love a timeline that Sarah wants to get. If this was supposed to be in the world of Throne of Glass. Yeah. That we're still waiting on. I'm not mad at you, Sarah, but if you ever want to just like drop it, I'm there. And then I just want to point out that like the child that's representing everyone's idea of who her line is attached to picked her out of the crowd. And also she describes this child in like such heavy detail. Yeah. Like what did that matter? I I just, we see that the child goes to her, gives us her Deanna's blessing, touches her nameless mark. And Deanna's later the goddess that possesses her in mm-hmm. Skull's Bay. I mean, technically, Mala's her sister. Yeah. They're related somehow to Aelin, but I don't know how all that works up. Selena hands the arrow to Kel and says, I suppose I'm not allowed to have this. Kel puts the arrow back in her lap and says, I wouldn't want to test the gods. Well, we give Kel a smart moment in letting her keep her gift. He had like a strange look about him she says did he look different something had changed in his face and I don't know if that means anything like why draw attention to that and then later I was saw a tie back to this in crown of midnight Mm -hmm. he recalls this happening this scene and he specifically recalls Selena being uncomfortable about receiving the arrow so she definitely didn't want it and it was for reasons we didn't even know of yet yeah all right so to recap this episode The final test is only three days away, and then the duel is two days after that. So we got five days less than a week until the final duel, Mm -hmm. and there we are down to five champions. Selena celebrates Yulmas, and Dorian gave her a three-pound bag of candy, which stained her teeth red, and he gave her a puppy. So he's the king of Christmas. (laughs) Yulmas. Yulmas, yes. She attends the religious ceremony with Kale, which she mostly sleeps through, and so does he. And we get this reference to the eight-pointed star, which will haunt me forever until we figure out what it all means. And then Selena is given the blessing and a small gift of a golden arrow from the goddess Deanna. And then Selena also decided in this that she must attend the masked Yulmas ball to see what Nehemia is up to and make sure she doesn't kill everyone, I guess. <laughs> So please don't forget to like and subscribe to our podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Throne of Chaos Pod. So come say hi. We love to discuss all things Sarah J. Mass over there. And you can also find us on YouTube. So check us out over there and subscribe and you can watch us film instead of just listening to us. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.